Outkick 360 is back. Welcome in. Good morning to you. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton, Lance Lee, Jakob Swanson, David Reed, the chairman of the board. They all make the show happen for us. A lot to get to today. Eddie George announced as the new head coach at TSU. We received a shout out for from Azerbaijan. That, that's coming up. Plus, Gary Sheffield Jr. will join the show. We'll talk uh, Braves and Hustle and Acuna and much more. Gentlemen. Good First morning. up, Azerbaijan. Next up, shout out from Uzbekistan. The, those are the big goals of this show, and that's what's going to happen. Paul, Let's how work are you? our way through the stands. Okay, yeah. Uh, Afghanistan, Pakistan, all of them. That's what's next. Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, some of the fake ones. Yeah. What's Borat's from a stand, isn't he? I believe so. Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. That's an actual country. That's a real one. And the actual country actually banned <laughs> the movies because of the way <laughs> of it makes the country did. look. So, yes. What's up, guys? Not much. Uh, didn't bet anything last night. That felt like a little bit of a relief. <laughs> That's a win. <laughs> yeah. That's a win for Paul with the, the run we've been I actually on. Actually, I had a good Preds win the night before that, which really got me off of the whole master schneid. We, so. will, we will have the lines for the Preds. I think we should do a show bet later from FanDuel. Uh, for the for the Preds tonight, we will we'll get into that. Yeah, I've and, got and some much thoughts more. on what the Preds d- didn't do. Uh, put some some meat on that bone in the Tennessee Power Hour. We have the NFL Draft's most overhyped. We've picked a player each for the first round. That's coming up in about 15 minutes. Not overhyped is the job that Julian Edelman did as a wide receiver for the New England Patriots. Uh, announces uh, his retirement. Um, or expected to after an 11-year career in New England where they, they let him go. He's got the knee issue, the injuries that, that held him out for the majority of last season. Uh, but, man, what a clutch player in some crucial times for that organization. Terrific, terrific player in the, uh, you know, overall. But then you put him in the setting of the championship teams that he played on and the clutch plays that he made for that organization. And here comes again, like, it's a tribute to. Uh, by the way, they did a very nice video with um, his retirement thing. I thought. Uh, I'll, spoiler alert! If you haven't seen it, the beam me up at the end is a little cheesy for me, but the production <laughs> the production value of it in Gillette Stadium with him sitting at midfield, the yeah. camera kind of circling around him, what he had to say, the way they did the crowd noise and the lighting and everything, I thought was really really nice. He topped 100 catches in a season twice. A thousand yards three times in a season. Uh, the connection between he and Brady, uh, incredible. Uh, but in the playoffs, the second most catches and yards in history. Played in five Super Bowls. He won three. Super Bowl MVP. You're about to see the unbelievable catch that he made against the Atlanta Falcons. Right the here. ball where he I mean, dives with three Falcons around incredible. him. Incredible. Gets a hand under the ball before it just the ground. Clutch. Over and over, clutch. So I went on Clay's show this morning, and Clay posed the question about Julian Edelman, is he a Hall of Famer? And, and he broke it down in sort of a, can just your playoff performances, separate of your regular season performance, vault you into the Hall of Fame? Which I, I think that's not the case at all with Julian Edelman. But my visit with Clay prompted this tweet from a guy named Trip Tepper who says, it is the Hall of all caps, FAME, not the Hall of Stats. (laughs) Edelman is borderline Hall of Fame, carries far more fame than most wide receivers of his era. If he made the Hall, 
I wouldn't quibble. Paul, you are a Hall of Fame selector. We don't go Your in there thoughts. and judge a guy's famousness. I, I mean, you're being very literal. If Jim you McMahon break it would be in the Hall of Fame. Right. If that, if that William Refrigerator Perry yes. would be in the Hall of Fame because he was very famous. Look, uh, this is what I hate because it's a tribute day for Julian Edelman, who was a very fine player and a, a defining player of a, champion, a championship team, a key cog in a championship team, right? We're not going to think of the Brady Patriots without thinking of Julian Edelman. And it's, that should be it, right? We should tie a bow on it. But in the social media era, immediately we have to ask if he's a Hall of Famer. And then I have to knock down his case. And I feel badly doing that. We used to have this with Frank Wycheck, who was a good friend of mine, and where I got my radio start in a big way on his morning show here in Nashville, where I grew to be a three-time-a-week performer. And inevitably, two or three times a year, somebody would call in and make the Hall of Fame case for Frank Wycheck, and I would have to knock down the Hall of Fame case. And he was an innocent victim there. He'd say, I didn't say anything about being a Hall of Famer, but I have to sit here and listen to a case being made against me. Julian Edelman has 36 touchdowns and 620 catches. This is half of Heinz Ward's career, and Heinz Ward can't get in the room to be heard. You pointed out to Derek Mason. Yeah, speaking Heinz of a Nashville Ward, connection, it's half of Derek Mason's career. Heinz Ward may get into the final 15. Derek Mason's never getting into the final 15 to be discussed. So, I mean, Julian Edelman was terrific. But Julian Edelman is a guy who's in his team's ring of honor and is a Patriots all-time great and a guy we're going to remember as a key guy on a championship team. And there's no dishonor in that. But then when you say, well, he's not a Hall of Famer, it sounds like you're, you're talking badly about him. I'm not talking badly about him. I love the guy. I think he's a terrific player. But then I go on to say he's not a Hall of Famer and everybody's like, Bum, oh, man. You know, and it sounds like you're berating the guy. It, it's okay to be the guy that never has to buy a drink again in New England. <laughs> right. Right? I mean, that's... that's who, a lot of places. That's Julian Edelman. I mean, that's that's who he is. I, I thought the same about Johnny Damon. No one's making an argument for Johnny Damon as a Hall of Famer, but if he didn't go to the Yankees, he would have been a guy who never bought a beer in Boston or anywhere around New England because he was a Red Sox legend with that 2004 team and that run. And I think a Julian Edelman is just a key cog on offense of... Those great Patriots teams. I also automatically think about the fact that Tom Brady refers to him as Jules, I like which that. I find funny for some reason. Well, he's also a part of that group that we, we stack together of the, the Patriots uh, outside of Brady. And Brady's a part of it, too, honestly, as a six-round pick. But value. Yeah, the, the value that they found and how they mold players to fit the system of, of what they wanted to accomplish. Uh, as an offense. And you heard, like, right. who was it when the Eagles beat the Patriots and then they, they mouthed off a little bit? Was it Kelsey who said, yeah, they don't have any fun over there. Like, we really have fun. Yeah. Well, tell Julian Edelman that. I, Julian Edelman appears to me to have had a great deal of fun winning the Patriots' way. As hard as the Patriots' well, let's way. let's put Edelman on a different team is. and see how much fun he has. More. Yeah. Yeah, but, but, maybe, he still, but he in got the context in. of what he was in with Brady oh, and mastering fun. that thing, winning's they fun. had a hell of a lot of fun winning, and they put their stamp on an era of football, But right? A decade plus. Edelman played, what, 12 years. Injuries get to him. Small receivers like that tend to, you know, nobody finishes great. Small receivers like that tend to really not finish uh, yeah, great. 
Uh, but he's a terrific, terrific player. Uh, and, and he's got that signature moment, which you really like, that catch, Hutton, uh, that you were good enough to find for us that we could play on there, uh, a Super Bowl catch in the middle of the field that, uh, you know, you think about with the David Tyree catch. I, I do. Well, uh, but, the, but also the passes, the touchdown pass to Amendola from Edelman. Like, there are clutch moments that stick with you that stand out over – a, a wide receiver that has twice as many stats as he does. Well, it's absolutely it's, what true. I appreciate about him, and, and Bill Belichick pointed this out, and I love the statement about he does everything. You know, he's one of those guys, he's a throwback Football player, player. and that he, he can do it. He can run, he catches well, he runs good routes, he can return, he's a great blocker, he's a throwback player that he's like the classic. You know, 1940s, 50s era two-way player. If you needed him to play both and ways, Belichick eats that up. And Belichick loves the history of the game yeah. and loves guys like that. And this will kind of bleed into our Ronald Acuna Jr. discussion later. But one of the reasons I love Acuna is because he does everything. He is a five-tool player that excels at an elite high level in all of those areas. And I don't think Julian Edelman. I wouldn't say that he was elite in all those areas, but he was a guy who could do everything. Total package. Yeah. A total package guy. Not not an elite total package guy, but like you, you, in baseball, you call him five-tool player. Yep. You know, as a receiver, he did everything you could do as a receiver. And he did it well and reliably, right? And reliability in a, in a program like the Patriots is the number one thing, you know, availability and reliability. You know, his availability f- faded. And that, it also, that's, that's doesn't it stand in. out more now? Of course, I mean, more now, even more so now, and it did five years ago. Uh, of a player that ends his career, a decade-long career with the same organization, I, 11 I, years it, in the same spot, and you know, didn't just ask to be released and go you know, stick around for another year somewhere else. It means a lot, and I think that his health and his knees will prevent him from doing this, but I still firmly believe if he's healthy and has any itch at all, and Daddy Tom comes calling, <laughs> I look out. he will be in Tampa in no time and join that group if, in fact, he's healthy again because he's not active mm. and he's not playing football every day. And it's a similar situation to Gronkowski, sits out a year, and then a year from now, Brady calls. I, I could totally see him coming back the, and playing. The one thing about that is the shape of the Bucks roster. So Scotty Miller's in that role, and Scotty Miller is a younger, better, faster, fitter Right. So if Chris Godwin goes down, Scotty Miller goes down, he picks up the phone in week three, Daddy Tom comes calling, <laughs> you answer Daddy Tom, to- Tommy Boy's call. And that's what Edelman, Jules, sorry, Jules. Jules. Once, once Tom Brady picks the phone and says, hey, Jules, come win another title with me, you go. What are the odds that Brady puts out something cool on social media today mm. about Jules? I think probably 95%. Yeah that we hear from him, and it will be something very cool, very classy about his buddy. I always, uh, what strikes me is just my, our, our time with Logan Ryan and the practice time that he would talk yes. about going against Julian That's Edelman. That's a good memory. Um, that he said the battles and one-on-one and, and practice and the mentality, the winning, excellent, the, the, the strive for excellence on both sides of the football uh, improved him as a player. I would imagine Edelman's the same way. But uh, the, the trash talk in practice, he said, was more than what he would have on game day playing with the and Patriots. And that gets you right. That training camp month working against that quality, uh, boy, that does a lot for you. And you think of another team where you don't have the combination of both a great slot defender and a great slot 
guy on offense, and you don't get that. You know what else is amazing, Paul? You said you hate how bad arguments about Hall of Fame status diminish make, guys makes you hate the fact a guy retires and immediately you're on the defensive, poking holes in their Hall of Fame status. How we view quote unquote cheating in sports. Who is talking about Julian Edelman getting popped no for PEDs? No and one. Suspended? No. In football, it doesn't it doesn't matter. If this was a baseball player, though. That that's that would be all. That would be oh, in, well, in paragraph well, first two. Off, we would be talking most, about Hall of Fame. Paragraph one. We would be talking about Hall of Fame, right? Well, or, or it'd be a one sentence thing. He would have been talked about for the Hall of Fame, except for the steroid thing. Hud and I were looking at uh, uh, pictures and videos of Edelman before the show, and I pointed to one. I said, "Here's a guy on roids." <laughs> I mean, you just see his arms. I'm like, "This is a guy that was physically taking something. You don't get that way naturally." And but we don't care. It's I mean, we don't talk about it. Uh, he was suspended for it. It's just, it's incredible to me, and I'm using roids in a broad sense. Different I'm standards. sure there's some pharmacologist out there who will correct me and tell me what it is. Me. It's something that's going to make you stronger and faster. Produce and or entertain. Healthier. Yes. That, that's the standard. Hutton's in favor of legal steroids. I, I, I'm kind of coming around to Hutton's stance on this when it comes to... For baseball. It, well, if forgive you're me for liking your the own long risk, ball. Yeah, for baseball. If you yeah, know right. the risk involved and you're taking some... I mean, and in, in it's to extend your career... Or as you said, Hutton to entertain. Well, that's why. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not. I don't. I don't feel any shame in loving the late '90s and the steroid era of baseball. I, no, I, I think that's. Uh, I compare my fandom then to now. Yeah. And I was more of a fan then. I'm more of a traditionalist in that I don't like what it did to skew the record books, which is the main objection to it, right? I want to know what Bonds versus uh, Mantle versus. Ruth versus when Aaron When the schedule went from be. 144 to 162, was this a big gripe? I know that we weren't yes, around covering sports it was. The there, time. There was an asterisk on, on. But is that? I mean, is how often does man, that come up now? But do, do we talk about it now? Well, no, because mo, uh, no, a those people aged out, and b the steroids argument became the new the new one that that overtook it. That that's my primary objective. Uh, 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 my primary objection. Right. I want the record stuff to be equivalent. That's my one thing with the 17 game thing, you know. 14 well, the records to 16, aren't equivalent anyway. 14 to 16. Guys are shattering records right now. Well, I know, but there'll I, be I, another Drew Brees in 20 years. I agree. I want because though, of the rules. Yeah, I agree, and that's why I hesitate on on the rule changes that favor offense and stuff. I but baseball is the record game, right? So in baseball, I want things that make it as as possible as can be for us to compare a record from the 1950s to a record in the 2020s. I, I want that to be as possible as can be. Well, that I, is, I, I, I just think you can always make an argument. I get when you're talking about illegal drug use benefiting you, but there's always going to be arguments between the eras of why one era was better or worse or fair or unfair. I remember the HBO movie, 61 about Roger Maris, and there's a part in there where Mickey Mantle is going off on everybody. says, oh, it's 162 and not 144. And he says, yeah, Babe Ruth didn't have to play night games. Babe Ruth didn't have West Coast trips. Sure. There's a lot of things that Babe Ruth didn't have to deal with also in his era. I, I just think, and that's a, a classic example of you can always find something to give you what you're wanting to argue. I agree. Right? Also, we're uh, measuring the I, spin rate of a baseball now. Oh, I know. And, we, and, and we're complaining about guys in the steroid era hitting home runs. But I think you'd also agree with this. In that era, which I enjoyed too. I mean, we all got caught up in McGuire and, and Bonds. But, but no, but, but beyond McGuire and Sosa, 
and, and bringing baseball back. I mean, there, there was – every team had a player like that. It wasn't just those two guys. Right. But you also had guys under those guys whose stories we don't know because they fell out because they didn't do it. I wouldn't know about those guys because their stories fell out because I was dead – baseball was dead to me after the strike, and I didn't care. They, they, the, the, the home runs brought fans back to the ballpark at a fervor pitch. And, and we haven't – I mean, again, like I, I – crave those days i'm just saying there were two sets of rules so if the guy if you broke the rules you made it and, and you were still in are. that thing and if you didn't you you might have suffered the consequences and not had your career and that sucks to me getting some good twitter feedback here top five list on twitter writes in and says mickey mantle did greenies did uppers <laughs> as a player so what's the difference between him and bonds I mean, this is this is the well, moral first off, argument we get into. That that's a performance-enhancing drug, right? Right. This was widely used in baseball in that era to get back up. Guys were doing amphetamines before games. It probably, I doubt it happens now because of the way they test. But this was just something that everyone did. Things are I'm happening. I can say now. everyone, but a lot of players did. Well, things are definitely happening now. The chemists are always ahead. We know that. Chemists are always ahead. I know some guys that should be on more. It should be a show mantra. The Jacob Swanson always is always ahead. Yes. <laughs> the Jacob Swanson just gave a thumbs up to that. He's correct. The chemists are always ahead. Is that one of my best ones for you, Jacob? Confirmed. There they yeah, are. No. They're the confirmation. Jacob, oh, if hey. he's writing down his favorite things I said, I just have a new number one. Ty right. goes to the pharmacologist in, ja- in baseball. Jacob and, and Lance, they, uh, they hung decorated. the OutKick 360. Let's see you sign. again. They've, they've covered the hole in the wall. Um, oh, where some, there was an electrical outlet up there. Yeah, very well done. The handy work of one Christian Bly in Nebraska who sent that to us. Yeah, we need to Thank ask you, Christian. Christian. a viewer. We're not complaining because it's a very generous gift, but we need a little matte covering. Maybe it could, it Yeah, could I, I don't think I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to uh, rush him for that because of the lighting that's right on top <laughs> of it. I don't think he could have foresaw that being an issue when he made this, when he whittled this out of a single piece of <laughs> wood <laughs> from chopped down the tree. Dragged it into the wood shop. Paul's next to talk about the amount of lacquer on it and complain yeah. about that. I don't know anything about it. I was just right. thinking maybe he could give you a tip on what we could buy <laughs> that you could then put an extra coat on. You know, I'll put a call you could do. You could do that. I'll put a call in to see if I can help you out with that. Yeah, put something on it. Some sort of lack of a sheen on top of it. Right, just make it a little matte. Yeah, I'll work on that. Yeah, thanks. We appreciate it. For the good of the show. Sure. Or maybe we could wake up Danny. He could come in here and do that. <laughs> <laughs> Danny. Special project, Danny. Paul, oh, ready, Danny. He's up. Uh, does he wear headphones or does he just listen to uh, ambient sound? Headphones. 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 Okay. Uh, is the volume up on those things or down? <laughs> Hopefully up for this for, for this uh, venture. Right. We should take uh, suggestions from Danny on what would keep him awake. <laughs> <laughs> and just spend like five minutes every day. He just gives us a topic, and this is the segment that will keep Danny away. Well, look, we just got camera for, for Lance and Jacob, but we, we need Danny cam. <laughs> we need sleep cam. <laughs> yes. So we have uh, slumber cam. We, had, uh, we have Emma, <laughs> I love Emma and Becca, and then there's Danny. And we were told that uh, there was always a third. And we were like, uh, tell us about Danny. We're like, well, uh, he's asleep right now. <laughs> yeah. So we're not talking like he hasn't gotten up yet for the day. We're talking like he's asleep at his desk. It's very European. I mean, it's it's really just kind of a Spanish. 
type flow siesta. of the day, the yeah. siesta. Uh, there's a late afternoon <laughs> micro napping. Yesterday we got into micro dosing. These are macro with accountants that uh, Jacob knows. Now it's micro napping. I think macro. Very European. Yeah, I do. When it, when it comes to sleep, I think macro also. In, in that I sleep at night, right? And not For during a the long day. segment yeah. of time. Not a big napper. Many yeah. things uh, European that have, have made its way to the States. One of those is shaving your balls with Manscaped. Danny, Manscaped. we'll be back in touch. Manscaped.com, oh, the yes. best in men's grooming. Uh, we showed you this yesterday. We're thrilled to have them on board. Proper grooming requires precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped, you have the right tools for the job. They obsess over providing you the best technology. And right now, a great offer, 20% off and free shipping for what you see on the screen with the code OK360 at Manscaped.com. OK360 is the code for 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com. You can also order much more than what's in the box. That's right, uh, like the Crop Mop Ball Wipe, the Crop Cleanser, the Foot Duster, and Refined <laughs> Cologne. I'm looking at it right the here. The Foot Duster. You know, Paul, you're a big fan of Europe. I love it. <laughs> when you take something that's European and make it American, this is one of the best things that's come from Europe that's now in America. It's grooming. It's proper grooming habits. You can get all of that done. And who would have thought that Europeans would have been cutting edge on this, <laughs> on this sort of stuff? I, I didn't know that they led proper the charge hygiene. on this. But um, you, can, you, you can groom. You, know, you don't have to go straight there. You can start in other places. No, you can go there. That's fine. It's, it's you go good. straight there. Yeah. Uh, with the Lawnmower 3.0, it comes with everything you need to uh, keep it trimmed, the perfect package 3.0 kit. Manscaped.com, Chad's holding it up right now. This is exactly what you would receive. Manscaped.com, and there's the code for 20% off and free shipping, OK360. Hang with us, coming up, the most overhyped in the NFL draft, next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Crew making it happen for us. Coming up in about 30 minutes, we'll discuss Eddie George being announced as the new head coach at Tennessee State. Uh, Plus, we will chat with Gary Sheffield Jr. That's coming up in roughly 15 minutes as we get into uh, the tweet that you and Paul, Chad, were argued about yesterday. Yeah, Paul and I got into an argument, which prompted uh, Paul to insult Gary Sheffield Jr. Uh, and his <laughs> Let's tweet. Let's hope he's a little tougher than that. And then uh, he uh, he wanted to respond. We invited him on the show. Good. So we will have that discussion coming up about Ronald Acuna Jr. and what Gary Sheffield Jr. Uh, tweeted about it. And looking forward to talking to him, an outkick writer, and our first chance to have him on the show. So we'll talk a little baseball with Gary Sheffield Jr. coming up. We invited him on the show without the typical consultation we have where the three of us agree on having a guest on the show. So I was informed that he was on the show on Twitter last night when we announced that we were having him on the show. Did you have an issue with that? I think that we should converse about guests on the show like we typically do, yes. What we said yesterday that we should have him on the show after we said that. And you nodded. <laughs> typically we have a text chain that we talk about such matters. Paul feels like he's being surprised on the show. Paul now can't handle himself. Oh, I can handle myself. When surprised. You know, on tomorrow's show, Blaine Bishop will join us yeah. live. Literally, feel free to I'll book whoever you guys want. If I uh, come on and insult someone <clears throat> and you want to bring them on the show, you guys go ahead and do that behind my back and announce it on Twitter. I'm fine with it. I'll go ahead and put that out there. Because I'm a big boy. I'm a big boy, too. Let's okay, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, here's who we're not buying, and something we did discuss yesterday, who we're not buying. 
uh, in the NFL draft. We're going to pick an individual player uh, and, and tell you why we think they're being overhyped at this point as we are now about two weeks away from draft night. And it immediately for me, at, at the top end of the, the pass rush category, if we were to rewind to last year, Gregory Rousseau from Miami would have been that player uh, at the top. Edge rusher from Miami, you see the measurables. A guy, a wide receiver in high school, and now he's the best pass rusher in this draft. You see the numbers, but may I also remind you, 15 career games and seven starts. So 15 and a half sacks stands out in 15 games. A lot of this are the clear view sacks is how I would describe it. It's not hard to watch a highlight reel of Gregory Rousseau and see most of the games played when he started in seven of them. And a lot of that is Manny Diaz rushing up the middle. How much of that and how often is that happening next season at the NFL level? <coughs> they don't have a ton of tape on him. Uh, I st- you know, I'm, I'm not saying he's not a top 30 type player. I think he's a first round pick, but elite top 10 guy. <laughs> I'm not buying it as a guy that I've just got to have, that I'm jumping on the table for. I think he's overhyped. I I like your argument. I I think something that's going to crop up here a lot, Hut, are these small sample size guys that haven't had a ton of starts and haven't had a lot of play. You factor in now some other guys who opted out. He's one of them. Yeah, and there there are more, right? So you haven't seen the continued development. So – you're not only projecting them into the league, but you're projecting what they would have done in their final year in college ball. Uh, that's that creates dangerous territory. Now you look at them, and <clears throat> you know some of these scouts and personnel evaluators get stars in their eyes because they see the length. Yeah. Oh, the length. Look at look at the body type. All of that. Those sorts of things. But I, I think you make a I, good argument as to why. He's somebody that, uh, you know, a, t- a first-rounder, yes, but I can see why you aren't buying what people are going to I, I think with. there is a massive gap between the boom <clears throat> and bust probability here for Gregory Rousseau. He could be elite, but I, it, the, the floor is very low for him as, as I try to pinpoint exactly why I wouldn't be jumping <clears throat> on the table saying, this is a player, this is a dude I've got to have on my team. I have a hard time trusting a guy who treated a pandemic like a break. And that, to me, is exactly what Russo did. Hey, I had a great season before. I've got, the, I've got these uh, tangibles He's about a me. sophomore. I've yeah. got these stats. And now I can just sit out and get ready for the NFL draft. Now, some would say, well, you're criticizing a guy for making a business decision about his future and everything. And that's fine. But I, I'm – he can make his business decision. And he's not the only but one who if I'm did a that. team, I cannot trust him also because he decided and elected to not play football. Uh, and he treated a pandemic like it was a break for him and treated it like a business decision. I've got a hard time trusting a high first round pick on a guy that does that. That's my personal preference. So for that reason, I agree with you. <laughs> I, I'm a little more forgiving, unsurprisingly, on the pandemic stuff. I don't know specifics of his case. I know there are some guys who sat out, you know, who's, uh, you know, needed to, to spend time with their grandmother, for example, who is more susceptible to COVID and, you know, had, to me, legitimate concerns for, for those causes. And so it's more of a personal decision than a, than a business decision for some of those. But the small sample size is definitely a concern. 
I want to see the guy play. And so I, th- I don't think it's unfair that he then, you know, fall in the draft as a consequence of not having a big sample size. That's not unfair. That's just a consequence that goes with playing fewer games. Only one player in college football in Division One had more sacks than Gregory Rousseau in 2019. Chase Young. And Rousseau did it, again, in seven starts and 15 games total. I believe he played in two his freshman year and then 13 in year number two. And when mocks come out, you know, there's the extreme mock draft that comes out for the following year, the day after the draft concludes. Rousseau's a top five pick in those mocks if you go back a year, right as the pandemic starts. But you're saying clear vision, so you're seeing clean up. Clear view. No, he's coming... Clear, clear view to the quarterback. Oh, not That's blocked. not happening at the NFL level. Yeah, he's getting blocked. He's going to have to beat somebody. Chad, who are you going with? So I'm never going to be less popular with the Mormon community than I will be right now <laughs> because I am going with BYU's Zach Wilson, the quarterback. I'm not a believer in Wilson. And maybe I'm allowing the fact that the Jets are so interested in him to cloud my judgment on him. New regime. But I've never been, I think he's a good player. His numbers, as you see, speak for themselves. 33 touchdowns, three interceptions, over 3,600 yards. He's not small. He's a guy that you look at his face and you think he's small, and he's not that small of a player. I think his his NFL height is 6'2", 210, 6'3", 214 listed at, at BYU. Um, the shoulder injury worries me. The fact that he's had a recurring shoulder problem that had to be cleaned up. It's a throwing shoulder issue. The competition worries me a bit with Zach Wilson. I, I'm just, when you stack him up against some of these other quarterbacks, and take Trevor Lawrence out of it, who is the clear-cut, the prospect, the guy, Best prospect at quarterback since Andrew Luck. I'm not believing in Zach Wilson over Justin Fields, over Trey Lance. I'm not believing in Zach Wilson over Mac Jones necessarily either. I'm just not a believer. I think of the quarterbacks that are going to be first-round picks in this draft. If you talked about Hutton, you mentioned you know low floor, high ceiling. I think the Zach Wilson ceiling is pretty low, and I think the floor is even lower. So I don't think there's a ton of potential for greatness with Zach Wilson. I think that at his best, he is a steady, middle-of-the-pack NFL starting quarterback. You know, right around 15, 16 if you're ranking. And I think at his worst, he's not a New York Jet within two or three years. Here's the thing about that steady, middle-of-the-pack quarterback, and I'm going to get into this on my own pick. They've become, I'm, I'm with you, like, I'm, I'm surprised how valuable that's become. You, you'll go get that guy at number two now to have the 15th best quarterback in the league. And I still feel old schoolish like if I'm picking a quarterback at number two, I want him to be pretty damn spectacular. But that's not the way the league's working right now. Like if you can get a guy who's going to give you four years of starting at least and be the 15th quarterback in the league – do you want better? Yes. Do you feel like you should be able to win if you have that steady quarterback play and you can build a different kind of team around him where you run and play defense and find some playmakers for him and can play to his strengths and not lose? That's not the favored way to go about it, but that's a way to go about it if you can't find that other guy. 
And you have to take that guy, unfortunately, now in the league at two. Well, and it's uh, to your point, Paul, is the demand great or is the player great or the prospect great? The demand. And I think so often with NFL teams, the demand is so great, it forces you to reach on a player who isn't top five level at quarterback just because of the position he plays. I'm not saying this for Zach Wilson because he's going to go second overall and there's a lot of good quarterbacks behind him. So it doesn't necessarily pertain to him. But if I'm ranking these quarterbacks in order, I'm putting Zach Wilson last in that group. I'm putting him probably even with Mac Jones at that, at that level. I'm not putting him second overall. I like uh, the, the, the pros for me with Zach Wilson. You can see your offense. I, I think you can see if you're, a, you're drafting high, you can see your offense in the style of play that Zach Wilson is capable of running. Because at BYU, there's a lot of RPO base. Off platform. And they, they run anything you can – a little bit of everything at BYU within that offense. My question for him uh, is, are you going to be able to rel- relatively quickly get him to take the easy throw over the most difficult thing out there? I mean, what, you, what I see whenever you can watch just a full game of highlights from Zach Wilson is bombs away. I mean, they're they are letting it rip, and that's a lot of fun. But you can force a football too as a rookie and look really bad doing it. So it, that that's the next question he, he, is he, how how much can he form to what and fit the mold of what they're going to be doing in New York? He's got some bad Baker Mayfield to him. Maybe in yeah. his game, when you think of bad Baker Mayfield, when he's trying to force it, when he's trying to let it rip too much, Wilson's got some of that to his game. And I still, look, I love the Josh Allen story, right? I hope it pans out for, for uh, Trey Lance. And I know BYU is a, a different deal than that, a better deal. <clears throat> but you mentioned the you know, competition, and, and I wonder about that. I think we're getting to a point where people are worrying about that less and less. But we're due for one of those guys to not, not hit it. So. Well, uh, that's an understatement. I mean – I would say the majority of these guys are not going to hit it. No, I know. But I feel like they're right now we're at a point where odds tell team, us that. Yeah. yeah. But right now we're at a point where teams are less concerned with the competition you've played against and more judging we're trending towards a judging you on your play and not downgrading you for who you played against, thinking it'll translate. And we've seen some guys do that well. Um so I'm saying in that subset, I, we're, I'm, I'm thinking we're due for a guy. To but not, let's continue with him just for a brief moment sure. here because we are looking at this through the lens of the New York Jets. Yeah. Put him with Kyle Shanahan, and how do you feel about Zach Wilson? Better. A lot better. A lot better. And I, I said that to begin, that he's the name that immediately jumps to mind when we started talking about this exercise. But some of that is because it's the New York Jets that are so in love with him. Well, I will say I will say two things about the Jets. New regime, though every new regime, <clears throat> look, that hasn't meant much in the in the past because the new regimes have been yep. hell worse than the previous regime. Though it's hard to be worse than Adam Gase, I think. Um, also, this is their own pick. You know, they didn't sacrifice the house to go get this. They've That's got right. other good picks to help him out. So I would say the same about Arthur Smith. If it was Arthur Smith and the Falcons that were in love with Zach Wilson, I'd probably have a slightly different perspective on the pick and him as a prospect. And I'm forgetting who the Jets hired as offensive coordinator, but there's a defensive defensive head coach. So uh, there's a Shanahan tree. It's a Shanahan head uh, uh, tree guy. Matt LaFleur's brother is the offensive coordinator for the New York Jets. 
Um, Paul. I didn't want to go quarterback. Um, and I was looking hard for somebody not to be quarterback, but boom, I landed on another quarterback, Mac Jones. Um, <clears throat> and people will see my anti-Alabama bias here, but I've got a better case than that. Um, I, and look, I understand that I hit on it there with the Wilson conversation, this urge to go get the quarterback, even if he's the 15th best quarterback, right? We, we covered that. But if he's the pick at number three and San Francisco gave up number 12, a third, a 2022 first, a 2023 first. I need a dynamic, electric, franchise changer. Uh, I don't need the 15th best quarterback in the league. So to me, Chad, it goes further than yours. I, I hit on it there. At least the Jets have the second overall pick from being a crappy team. They didn't give up the house to go get Zach Wilson. I just listed what they've given up, the 49ers, if this is their pick. They've given up a ton. So you're giving up a ton to go get Mac Jones? I, I, there are qualities that Mac Jones has that are very favorable qualities. He's a good decision maker. He's an accurate quarterback. He's showed well against pressure with people coming at him. I was watching some of this more intently last night. I was very impressed against heavy pressure. But he's got the best offensive line in the country. He's got two of the very best weapons in the country. Where more than at Alabama, are you going to have perfect situations to play quarterback? And what doesn't happen in the NFL? <laughs> you very rarely have a perfect situation. You're not going to have, you know, I can't tell you right now San Francisco's receivers. I can tell you who left. Kendrick Bourne left. George Kittle's a fantastic player when he's healthy, we know. That system doesn't call for the most difficult throws in the world. Um, you know, so can he be good there? Yes. But he's not explosive. He's not dynamic. He's, he's mobile enough to shift around. We've talked about this and get himself out of trouble and, you know, make the, the move that buys you a second to make a throw. But he's not going to make the run plays that have become more and more part of the game that, that a Ryan Tannehill can can make to buy you a first down or score you a touchdown when coverage is. Well, we leaf, can mention another quarterback that, that would open. be there also, Justin Fields. Right, plays that he could make with his legs. Um, and he's had all these superb things going around him with elite skill players, an elite play caller. You can argue and Sark, who's who, and he's only had 17 starts too. So we're getting touching on the sample size thing that you had. So phenomenal statistics: 41 touchdowns, four interceptions. 4,500 yards. That's the kind of quarterback I've been asking for, by the way, at Alabama, a pro-style pro guy. So I'm, I, I'm acknowledging that uh, co collegiately that's what I've wanted. But Dane Brugler, who we had on recently, what does he say about him? High floor. And what do I want out of the third pick in a draft? I, I'm not excited about high floor. I want high ceiling. And, and so, again, give me explosive, give me dynamic. It's not so much. And so I think he's being hyped in a way that doesn't suit what I'm talking about. At least if he sold accurately, I, I could buy it. But I think people are giving him too much upside. I can't buy the lack of starts at the quarterback position uh, whenever we're beast. touting Trey Lance. We didn't even mention Trey Lance in this discussion, and the guy played in one game last year. Oh, yeah. No, well, I got the I same would, issues I would say the Trey same Lance. for, you know, if you're looking at the quality start. You know, Joe Burrow had one great season. Yeah. Mac Jones had one great season. That's, uh, but, that's but, again, I, and I, but I'll compare the two and say, 
who you buying, <laughs> Joe Burrow and his ability or Mac Jones and his ability, based on two great statistical seasons, well, two of the best all time. Mac Jones could have come back the same way Joe Burrow did. How would we be talking if Joe Burrow, if Mac Jones is coming back for another year at Alabama? If Joe he's going on the tour that Burrow went on. Yeah, if be Joe Burrow favorite. had the same offensive infrastructure the year before and had two seasons like that, what would it look like? And yeah, Mac Jones would have done the exact same thing probably. Even losing Waddle and Devontae Smith, they still would have been great offensively and he'd put up terrific numbers. Uh, so we're going with Gregory Rousseau, Zach Wilson, and Mac Jones individually uh, as uh, some overrated players. And look, there are others <laughs> that were certainly candidates for this. Uh, for players who opted out, there, there are several in the first round that you can point to that we, we didn't see play. We haven't seen play in a year and a half. Um, on top of that, I, a lot of guys uh, in, in scouting departments and, and coaches and GMs are going to point to Man, I would love to see this guy, especially at the quarterback spot, throw at the combine. You know, let's see the velocity of, of their, their arm speed, football speed. Not going to have that. I do give credit. Some of them are having like double pro days. So Fields will have been, been seen twice. Yeah. Um, I think Lance, too. Lance, I think, will be, have been seen twice. So that's smart to, to help. You. The more you can be seen, the better. There's nothing to hide from. A lot of these guys don't work out at pro days after they're seen at the combine. This is a whole different, different venue now. Outkicks Gary Sheffield Jr. about to join us, and then in 15 minutes we discuss Eddie George and the opening presser that took place this morning here in Nashville as he is the new head coach of the TSU Tigers. More coming on Outkick 360. Hang with us. FanDuel.com slash OK360 is the website for some great odds. New users, $1,000 risk-free bet up to $1,000. If you're a new user, you can opt in there at FanDuel.com slash OK360. You can be like Chad. You can opt in on the Braves anytime they're playing. And we all opt in on Ronald Acuna and the style of play that he brings uh, both in the field and, and at bat on the base paths. Uh, and Chad, that... Brings us to our next guest, Gary Sheffield Jr. with a tweet that he sent out yesterday. Yeah, Gary Sheffield Jr., uh, I really enjoy his coverage, Outkick.com, covering baseball and basketball. Our first chance to talk to Gary Sheffield Jr. And, uh, Gary, we'll, we'll start with this because I enjoyed the tweet and actually uh, sent this on to the group, and, and Paul took issue with it. So we'll let you explain and, and talk about this. Ronald Acuna Jr. setting the tone for a World Series run starts with your best player doing things like this, and it's a video of him legging out a routine ground ball to short to start the game against the Phillies. This obviously caught your eye when you saw it. Yeah, and, and you being a Braves fan, you know how close the Braves are to winning a World Series. I think we all can agree that the Braves are probably not the best team in the, in the National League. Everybody thinks the Dodgers, I, I feel like we'd all agree, the Dodgers are probably going to win the World Series if everything goes as planned. But when your best player isn't running out ground balls and they're not showing you that winning is the most important thing, because we have to keep in mind, Ronald Acuna just signed a, a big contract. I know he was underpaid in most people's eyes, but we're still talking generational wealth. He doesn't need to run out of ground ball. And that's the thing that's most important is that if guys don't have to do something, a lot of times you'll see that they don't do it. So I was really impressed that Ronald Acuna was able to 
um, showed the team really that he's able to put winning first. And when it comes down to it at the end of the season, if a, if a role player is dogging it, Ronald Acuna now can go in his bag and say, hey, I demand more of you because I can do more. So um, I'm hoping that this could maybe narrow the gap between the Braves and the Dodgers. But, um, you know, we'll see. And, and one thing that Paul said to this, which I agree with, is the baseline should be trying hard and effort. But yep. you mentioned this, Gary. That's not always the case. And we all sat here on this panel yesterday and agreed that we see it all the yep. time in Major League Baseball where guys are dogging it and guys are, aren't running hard to first. And this is something I appreciate right. about Acuna, a true five-tool player that's always hustling to this level. This is not just with athletes, though. This is Everybody will tell you they work hard at their job every single day. I give them my absolute best. But how true is that, really? How much? How often do people really give their 100% every single day? Most of the times you pick your spots, and you, at the very least you want to make sure that, that everyone believes that you're a hard worker, and that's fine. But every single day you're not going to give it 100%, and athletes are always going to tell you, I run hard all the time. It's not ever true other than maybe Pete Rose. He's probably the only guy who was doing that. So I don't want to give, I want to be clear, I don't want to give Ronald Acuna applause for running hard, but I do want to point did. out how important it is. <laughs> you don't want to give him applause for running how, hard, but you just did. No, I want to give him credit for the impact. That's about it. Well, I, I, I've, I'm fascinated, the two of you in your, your big fandom of Ronald Acuna, as you've given him a parade mm -hmm. for this effort. Uh, you, Gary, have been on Twitter since... 2011. So I went and looked right. back at 2019. I didn't see a word about Acuna when he was benched for not running hard against the Dodgers when he presumed he had a home run and he turned a double into a single. Uh, and then when he did the same thing in a playoff game against the Cardinals, Chad yesterday given a chance to applaud uh, the, the Braves' best player who made a phenomenal play beating this out. Didn't recollect right. that Acuna used to be a dog, that this was a big issue for the Braves. That's all water under the bridge now. The guy ran so, hard to first base, and we're going to throw him a parade. You're he's, talking a, he's improved, about, and that's a good thing. But now we're acting like this guy uh, is an all-out hustler all the time. To, to be clear, though, Paul, hey, you're Paul. talking about a season. He almost had a 40-40 season. And became the well, fifth player in Major League Baseball history in 2019. But does that mean that he did not turn no, these two No, but we, all, we say this double? all the time. This is one of our arguments. Things can change. Right. You have a bit of info, and you think one thing about a player, and then things change. And when that changes, you're allowed to change your but opinion. But you're so fanish on the guy, you lent no context to his improvement the other day. You strictly talked about that. You didn't say he used to be a dog, and now he's running hard. You were just like, wow, look how hard he ran. That's terrific. Gary, we'll let you respond. I thought the play was incredible. Was. I had no idea that I didn't think he was going to be safe. I've watched the replay 10 times. I still can't believe he was safe. I personally didn't believe Didi Gregorius was really dogging it that hard, taking his time. He made a strong throw over there. So it was, I mean, he was, he was, he was booking to get to first base there. So I was impressed by that. And, and just because I'm impressed by a play and, and by how hard a guy worked on a particular play, doesn't mean I'm giving him a pass for the for what he did in the postseason because he deserves to be be, be killed for that. He he cannot let that happen, and and that's something that needs to be recognized. But I also was happy to see the best player for a team working that hard. I I mean the the, what, the other underlying stat to all of this, and you mentioned Gregorius and the throw. I don't I, I didn't realize they're keeping up with these numbers. I, I I guess I should have. It's the fastest throw on a grounder that Gregorius has had or, or has made since 2016. 
to first base yeah. at 88 miles per hour. I, I don't know how they track this on every single grounder and how they immediately pick that up. But that makes Acuna's run and and to be able to beat the fastest throw that Gregorius is, Gregorius has made uh, since yeah. 2016. That's even more impressive to me that they back it up on the fact that the shortstop, you know, near, had had what was a, a great throw to first for his standards and what they've measured in the past five years. Yeah, and I saw online everyone was talking about knowing your runner and knowing your runner. Well, if you know your runner, and like Paul said, he has a history. I mean, he has a murky history with running down the first baseline. Well, if knowing your runner is Ronald Acuna, wouldn't you feel that your hardest throw since 2016 <laughs> or whenever it was Should was get. going to be enough to get him out? You would think so. But I do believe that people sometimes can work at a certain job or, a, or in a, any given year. They could give less than their best, and they can show up the following year. They deserve to be crushed for what they did. And then when you show up and actually get your best, you have to give him credit when it when it's due. And I don't want to say that he, he deserves a Nobel Peace Prize because he doesn't. <laughs> but he def and 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 I agree with Paul there. It's it's not like I'm going to sit here and act like well the Braves are going to win the World Series because he ran down the first base line. No, what I'm saying is is baseball is a game where it's a game of inches. One bad play, one guy running hard could affect a one game in the series, change home field, and potentially win the Braves the pennant. Well, so. Who can we now watch on this Braves lineup to see an impact of Acuna and the hustle play? Like, who are the dogs on this roster that should now get a pick-me-up for Acuna's hustle? To me, that's Ozzie Albies. He's like the little brother to – he. to me, he's the little brother of Ronald Acuna. And you're going to be seeing names that you haven't heard of on this Braves roster that now Ronald Acuna can look at and say – I need more from you. Potentially, one guy might run harder on a ground ball. One person because of what Ronald Acuna did. Because, okay, if that guy already, he's locked up, generational wealth, nothing can happen to him. And I don't have that. Well, if he can run hard, maybe I can run hard on a given play, and that affects the season. You never know. So that's potentially what Ronald Acuna was doing. Gary Sheffield Jr. from OutKick with us. What are you liking in the AL? What's caught your eye? Uh, in this small sample size so far? Well, what I'm noticing is that Houston's good again. And I, I wasn't expecting, obviously, Oakland to come off to such a slow start. It is early. But the American League is wide open. I feel like there's four or five teams that can really come out of this league. The league is not very good. You're obviously seeing the Padres and the Dodgers just killing things right now. So you're going to start seeing the trade market really heat up in the American League. You're going to potentially start seeing a trade with Luis Castillo in New York, the Yankees are probably going to have to go get another starter, and it, things are going to get interesting. So right now, what's most compelling about the AL is that no one's really that compelling. How bad of a look is it for baseball, Gary, when you see the situation at the end of the Mets-Marlins game uh, with uh, a strike uh, being hitting the batter and ending yeah. the game, and then the end of the Phillies-Braves game on Sunday night on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, with another controversial ending. Oh, by the way, happened to take place in the same division. Well, old school baseball fans will tell you that's the beauty of baseball, right? The the human the human element, the human error, that's what makes this game beautiful. But the problem is, is with technology and we want to get everything right now. So it's not really that enjoyable to watch a guy win a baseball game after getting hit. Yeah, you have to give the guy, I guess, somewhat credit for getting in the way of the baseball. I mean, he said it was his natural instinct. But... That's to me, that's not sports. 
when when something is literally in the strike zone, it's like a guy going in the end zone and you somehow, some way, he doesn't get a touchdown. Well, there, there's going to be a problem there, and hopefully nothing like this happens in a postseason game, but we've already seen it happen before. Gary Sheffield Jr. has been our guest. Appreciate the time, man. And we would we would tell everyone, go follow uh, Gary on Twitter, at Gary Sheffield Jr. Read his work at OutKick.com. Uh, let's let this be the first of uh, several visits down the road, please. Nice to meet you. I appreciate it, guys. And, Paul, don't forget to give me a follow, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Gary Sheffield Jr. Gotcha, has man. been our guest. Uh, great to have him on. And uh, we'll be talking some, some baseball with him uh, down the road for sure. And uh, to see the video, if you haven't seen Acuna beat out the throw, it is quite the athletic feat. Yeah, nothing nice tag up last night right well it's uh here's what's impressive to me about ronald cunha he, he's got a chance to be in the 40 40 club and be the fifth player all time to do that alfonso soriano in 2006 with the nationals was the last mm. guy to do it a rod barry bonds jose canseco are the only four players to do it and I, I love the guy because he can he can do everything that's why i love him i mean and you're right he has been a dog at times in his career before but if he plays at this level yeah. And he's on a tear right now. But if he can get to that 40-40 mark, that, that would be something. One thing about the 40-40 mark, not dismissing that it would be a big deal for him, there are a lot of guys from one era that didn't realize that 40 stolen bases was going to go down as a big mark. I, I, I can't remember who I heard say it who said, if I realized 40-40 was going to be a big deal, I would have stole more bases because uh, there have been several dry eras of, of stealing bases. So... Um, I need to look back statistically at, at who some of those guys were. Not that it's not an impressive feat or an impressive list. I'd like to hear from the guys that just decided not to steal more bases because they didn't know 40 was the one. <laughs> well, there are I think of, the goal is to steal as many bases as possible no, if you can do it. That's not true at all in the American League. Plenty of teams don't believe in stealing bases at all for lots of times because they believe in getting people on bases and doing something they do well, in the American then, League called hitting home runs. Then if that's the case, then the 40-40 mark doesn't matter anyway if they don't believe in stealing more bases because they're in the American League. Well, a, a lot of teams in the American League when I was growing up didn't, didn't steal bases. They got well, people on base. Uh, Jose Canseco, A-Rod, half of them are in the American League that are in the 40-40 club. It's impressive. Earl Weaver, manager of your Orioles, mm-hmm. was not a guy who sent runners to steal bases because he expected Shame on people him. to hit home runs. <laughs> Shame on Earl Weaver. No. <laughs> Hutton's got to look at a, with a, a black eye on the history of if his. You have talent, if you have a talent that's capable of stealing a base, I want him to steal the bat. And the alternative to hitting these home runs, by the way, is bunting people over, which I understand the Braves did very well last night. I mean, I, I'm, I'm about um, I'm chatting with Bo Jackson this week. Uh, you're telling me that they shouldn't send him to steal a bag if you have the talent that he possesses because he plays in a certain league? Well, I'm telling you if the guy behind him... Because the him, manager doesn't believe in it? If the objective of the guy behind him is to hit a home run, then the odds of him getting thrown out <laughs> take you out of an inning where you're built to hit home runs behind him was a strategic thing at stages of AL play. So should... Uh, you say the National League players can't hit home runs like American League players can. So no, now should we not, not care about National League players in the past because it wasn't their strategy to hit home runs? So home, uh, 40 home runs isn't a big mark because it wasn't their strategy? Uh, now, the 40-40 list is impressive. Yeah, not, there's I, only four I, players I, who I don't, I don't understand why you refuse to acknowledge that I said it's impressive. We're downplaying it because the AL I, doesn't put an I emphasis on stolen I said it's impressive, backs. but I said there are eras where 
a lot of AL teams weren't looking to, to steal bases. Well, there are eras Mickey where, Mantle could have stolen a lot more bases than he Well, there's an era where stole. Cy Young pitched every game, and uh, the amount of wins mattered more than it does now. Uh, there are eras where strikeouts mattered, and no one cares if you strike out now, if you hit a home run every well, that, now and again. So, I mean, that's, go we could play that game cool. all day. Bottom line is, throughout the history of baseball, uh, hitting a home run and stealing a base are both positives and smiled upon by the game. I don't know any era where it hasn't been. Well, now it's strikeout or... Walk. Strike out and hit a home run. Or home run. Yeah. I mean, or the Braves strike out more than he. I, I hate it. I'm, I'm a contact well, guy. No. I'm going to put it in play. And there the Braves of... strike out as much as any team in baseball. So I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. Coming up, Eddie George is the new head coach at TSU. Our thoughts on his opening press conference. Should we tease this by saying it lived up to expectations of number 27 and the leader that we have become familiar with here? Yeah, I don't know that anybody would be, I don't will know how be surprised, but the bullet points that we'll the give bullet you, points you, are, will, you will love. Yes, that, that's next on Outkick 360.